Hello and welcome to episode 301 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Jack Harper, and you may be slightly confused as to why you've had a new episode appear on your feed today, but you consider this to be an emergency summit of sorts, and we'll get into that right now. At 10.05am this morning, Chelsea released a statement confirming they had parted ways with, with Thomas Tuchel and were making no further statement until a new manager is appointed. They said, on behalf of everyone at Chelsea Football Club, the club would like to place on record its gratitude to Thomas and his staff for all their efforts during their time with the club. Thomas will rightly have a place in Chelsea's history after winning the Champions League, the Super Cup and Club World Cup in his time here. As the new ownership group reaches 100 days since taking over the club, and as it continues its hard work to take the club forward, the new owners believe it is the right time to make this transition. Now, before we pick the bones out of this, Jack, can I just get your immediate reaction to the news? I mean, it's sadness, for sure, because I loved the bloke. Um, But over the last few weeks, I have become more and more disillusioned with the way we've been playing, the style of which we do it, the lack of goals for one of them, and pretty much knowing that if the other team gets the first goal, that's us losing the game. <laughs> the only time that I've been proved wrong on that was West Ham, and that was from a quite interesting refereeing <laughs> decision, as discussed on Monday. So it's just, we started really poorly. Pre-season was poor. This season's been poor. We haven't played good football that I can really recall. On the odd occasion where you've got a 6-0 win away at Southampton and that night in the Bernabeu when we were 10 minutes from winning 3-0, the last time I can really pinpoint a performance where I thought we'd done ourselves justice was Juventus in November 21 when we won 4-0. So it's sadness, but I feel like it kind of had to happen or it was going to happen at some stage. Because it, it did feel for a long time like there was something a bit different with Tuchel compared to previous Chelsea managers that had come to the club. I mean, he'd done the usual one a few trophies, but usually then you've been ousted in a very short spell after that. And we didn't see this one coming. I don't think, I think TK mentioned it on our deadline day pod and said, maybe something feels a bit different in that if it happened, we don't know how disappointed Chelsea fans would be compared to how we imagined they would be a short time ago. But Tuchel managed 100 games for the club. That's less than Conte, that's less than Carlo, and that's less than Jose on two separate occasions. Um, I hope you don't mind. I was looking through your old tweets earlier today. Oh, brilliant. This is, this, this, <laughs> this is a great way to start a conversation. <laughs> Nothing too bad here. So since Jose succeeded Ranieri at the club, you've tweeted your distaste towards Sari, Conte, Hiddink, who was a surprise commissioner, <laughs> uh, Jose, Rafa, and AVB. Um, That's a lot describe, of history that you've got there. Hey, I mean, you described Scolari as sweat patches O'Hulahan, and I don't know what prompted <laughs> that. <laughs> I can imagine he was sweating. Um, but only Tuchel, Frank, Carlo, and Di Matteo have been safe. And I, don't, I haven't included anything of just you've complained about a decision they've made in game like the criticism has largely been I want this guy sacked or 
why hasn't this guy been sacked? Or yeah. I'm starting to want this guy sacked, and then he's probably gone before you've had a chance to uh, do the next tweet. What was different about Tuchel in your eyes? I think it's just the kind of affinity that he had with the fans in general. Just he was always classy. He was a class act in interviews. Um, he always knew how to say the right thing. And up until I'd say fairly recently, I mean, I, we put the poor performances down towards the end of last season as there's nothing really to play for. Fourth had almost been sewn up. Unbeknown to our best efforts, you decided you didn't want it um, yeah. to, to give up that fourth spot. And um, we were just saving ourselves for the cup finals. And also, I mean, let's not get it twisted here. He got us to the final of the Champions League and won it. He got us to the final of uh, the Club World Cup, won that. And obviously, class the Super Cup as a trophy win as well. But then yeah. also an FA Cup final, Carabao Cup final against one of the best teams in the country and just losing on penalties. So he's got a pretty good track record in that, in that respect. Um, so you can see why the Chelsea fans loved him. He got us to every major final that you can possibly get to in his time in his 100 games at the club, which is no mean feat. So you're going to have the overarching aspect of the fact that he won us the Champions League in one of the worst seasons, yeah, yeah. just for outside of football reasons, being COVID and whatnot, gave us all something to actually look forward to. So that's why he's held in such high regard and that's why we loved him. You've brought it back with saying about fourth place. I remember after we beat you at Stamford Bridge, um, I was going, well, it's not just fourth place now. We're going for third place. (laughs) (laughs) And it didn't quite end um, according to plan. There was something with Tuchel as well, where he seemed to get the Chelsea fans kind of in the stadium on board sooner than ever. Because when you look at some of the other names I've mentioned, some of them, not immediately, but were quite unkind about whether it was the fans online or whether it was the fans in the stadium, whether they didn't show enough support. I think Jose got on at you quite a few times. And Tuchel never seemed to do that. He seemed to front up the responsibility every time. And if he directed it towards his players, at least from our vantage point, it did always feel like it was deserved. It never felt like a Jose incident where like, we all have our thoughts on Luke Shaw. There was a point where all of us thought, okay, <laughs> Luke Shaw is, we know he's awful like we don't need to hear about it every week and I was listening back to um, some of one of his first press conferences when he came out and said uh, and we will build a team that nobody wants to play against this is I like that I included that there not yeah. a voice note for you very nice but it got you off to a very good start he came in at a tough time I think his stock was probably an all time low in that he'd worked with what Neymar and Mbappe and everyone as if he was going to be dealing with those players every week said well he can't manage big personalities and it was like well who at Chelsea was he going to be managing that was Neymar and Mbappe and when he came in clearly rallied the troops very well and uh, he got I think after the Wolves games when he said that quote I just uh, played there after that you could really start to see your style of football coming on and coming on and being quite an identifiable style yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, he, he went us over early, like you said. He came in replacing a, like a club legend in Frank Lampard, which was a contentious sacking for many of the kind of match-going Chelsea fans at the best of times. And um, he's very courteous about it. He was very 
respectful of what Frank had done beforehand. And he just kind of got on board and said, I'm not here to be Frank. I'm here to be my own person. And we all got behind him. And during those first, the first few months of him taking over, if, if you remember, we were shipping goals, like left, right and centre under Frank. We were giving away four, sometimes five goals a game, which just can't happen. And um, his first kind of act was definitely to shore up the defence, which he got absolutely lambasted for against against Wolves. People calling for his head, saying, oh, this is no good, he's a better under Frank, etc. And then we just became this juggernaut of kind of like Conte year one, playing kind of three at the back, two wing backs, and just teams didn't really know how to deal with us. Um, and then that led to us winning the Champions League final, which seemed to be City's kryptonite for about six weeks. <laughs> just They couldn't kind of get their heads around it. Is, that, is there something in it that, when you look at some of the managers that I reeled off, there's a if we were to say that Tuchel did show a level of charisma that we'd not seen from Chelsea managers in a while, you do have some managers that would very much be at the uncharismatic end of the scale. When you look at Sarri, you look at Avram Grant, mm. you, you look at Rafa. Like Rafa had his moments at Liverpool, but he wasn't charming any Chelsea fans. And Sarri did his best to just not talk. Conte sounds like he's had a microphone put in front of him for the first time and he's being paid by the word. Um, we left Conte for jumping around, but when you got tired of his interviews when every question was answered by, uh, in these moment. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I will say your, your, your tweets, uh, you were all in on Conte. I saw that much. Oh, I loved him. Conte. You're defending him when people are people are slagging him off and you're saying, just give him the players he wants. I mean, we rewarded him for winning the league and getting to a cup final by giving him drink water, Bakayoko and Zappi. <laughs> yeah. But understandably, I can understand why he just down talks. It sounds um, it sounds stalkerish at this point. I promise you, The only all I did was search your name and each of these managers' names. Early on, you can see where everyone's just getting used to Twitter because so many of your tweets are just adding these big Chelsea accounts. Like, if you could sign three players this summer, who would it be? And nastily, they've all aired you. Um, something maybe more embarrassing is when I searched Avram Grant, you, you had a real campaign to get Grant Holt to an international tournament at one stage. No. I swear to you. I can't believe this. There's multiple tweets of you calling for Grant Holt. Did you did you make a note of the year? Of uh, I've I've noted one of them. I because I thought you'd doubt me, so I thought I'd send you the link after. I didn't actually plan to bring it up here. <laughs> You've got how is Grant Holt not in the England squad, and how is Andy Carroll? Yes, he's playing okay now, but Holt has been brilliant all season. And this is uh, 2012. Oh dear. I mean, I've added um, Talksport Drive saying I just cried with laughter. At- yeah, in yeah. Terms of yeah. and that was in 2012. So yeah, going back a good uh, 10 years. Yeah, so you want to grant hold of the Euros? I mean, yeah, 100. I mean, if uh, I don't remember tweeting it, but if I said it, I meant it. Maybe if um, I mean, Andy Carroll wasn't at let, uh, not, been at Liverpool. Yeah, let's not soundbite what I just said there, <laughs> because there's quite a few questionable things potentially on my Twitter. <laughs> yeah, in fact, well, you know uh, what? Just wipe all of that. <laughs> Well, I did worry that there may be um, some tweets missing if you had done that, but um, 
yeah, weirdly, I think something must have happened to your Twitter because there's so many tweets where you you, you can see the reply, but you just can't see what you've initially tweeted. And I, I, I don't know what's happened there. <laughs> yeah, no idea. Um, so in this statement, they said, as the new ownership group reaches 100 days since taking over the club and as it continues its hard work to take the club forward, the new owners believe it's the right time to make this transition. D- does that make any sense to you at all? Because what is it? 280 million euros, I think they spent with the influence of Tuchel. Like, surely you don't go out and buy wingbacks without Tuchel going to be there. Surely you don't pursue the number of centre-backs you did. And unless the board have an idea of how they want you to play, like you see sometimes in American sports where you have like a GM and you'll say, well, this franchise, we want to play this way. And so they'll make the moves in the draft or whatever, and they'll have a specific coach that's going to come in and play that style. I can't imagine Todd Bowley is in his board saying, there's one thing I won't tolerate, and that's four at the back. We're going to be playing five at the back, no matter who it is. And so you've got to think the signings were dictated by Thomas Tuchel, or at least he had a large level of influence. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's, I think it's come out, I don't want to tread on too many quotes that you potentially have later down the line, but it's come out that some of this displeasure in the rift between the two of them, that I don't know how much truth is in, in this, but they, they were trying to get too much of his attention when it came to transfers and who he wanted. Um, he wanted that to be left to like a Peter Cech kind of figure of a sporting director. So he just wanted to focus on that. But it really doesn't... I mean, I was kind of backing Todd versus Gary Neville when he said he's playing football manager. Yeah. Now it kind of seems that he is because... You're right. We are now going into the season. I mean, I can't profess to knowing if Graham Potter plays four at the back or not. He or... plays five at the back. Well, that's not too bad. Then. He, he, <laughs> and... We'll get on to him because it does yeah. look like it could be a very nice fit. Yeah. Well, if that's the case, then happy days. But it, you're right. I mean, if we don't get him, we go and get a, a manager that likes to play four at the back. We've now got two left-backs that cost upwards of £110 million that you're not going to give consistent game time to. Um, I, th- I, I find I do find it strange in a way that as well like the Obama Yang signing of the only manager that can really manage him is Thomas Tuchel because they've got that relationship and they had all of 59 minutes of playing together <laughs> before he gets sacked I just it, I feel like if they were going to make this decision there was enough bad results at the end of last year to do it in the summer hmm. um, and I mean, really, if they were going to do it after anyone, they should have done it after the 3-0 Leeds loss. But, oh, I don't know. It's, it seems like it's been conspired, but also seems completely knee-jerk. It's, it's so weird. I don't know how it can be so appeal to both polar opposites. Like, because the knee-jerk side of it is, like you've just said, you've gone and given him all of these transfer targets that he's obviously had an input in. But then at the same time, there's been rumours of Bowley and the uh, Brighton owner kind of tapping each other up. And the fact that Graham Potter is so open to this move yeah. that it could be done within however long, that it must something must have been going on behind the scenes. Well, when The Athletic put their thing out, and I do think this is often club PR, they said, look, Chelsea are reiterating the fact that this decision was actually made before last night's game. So you could get two things out of that and say the flat performance was that Tuchel knew what was going to happen. Or you can put it the other way and say, if this has been a decision a long time in the making, I don't see how, what, three games, three, four games is what completely changes your mind. 
and mm. that's an issue then at board level because you shouldn't be snapping that quickly if no. you're going to give him that money then you at least say well we want to see what you've got with these players because what are you spending money on otherwise yeah I, exactly because we like I said earlier on we've, we've started the season so poorly that it's basically carried on exactly how we left off last season where we just look like we're just devoid of anything I'm going into games expecting us not to score which when you've just gone and got Raheem Sterling Obama Yang Kai Havertz a couple of seasons ago yeah. etc that's not a place that you want to be operating in it's not that's not what you expect well, for- I'd rather us be shipping goals but scoring also whereas you have that angst now and it's transpired onto the team you know as soon as we go a goal down the heads drop because we just don't expect to score well Fofana Sterling and Cucurelia are of course good players and any manager that comes in is going to be happy to have them as you said the Abamyang one is more questionable to a lesser extent Koulibaly because if you were bringing in someone that was going to say play four at the back then you may say you'd be looking for something different so I'm not saying that's a wasted signing because it does appear the manager you're bringing in is to play this certain style. Aubameyang um, is interesting but I thought do you think we should have seen maybe something coming when Broger was left out of the initial training camp squad by Tuchel? You had options on the table to sell him and the club opted to keep him, as far as we know, against the manager's wishes. And do you think maybe that was something where they were saying, hang on a minute, this guy may not be here for too long. There's a theory that Douglas Louise wasn't sold to Arsenal because I don't know why else you turned down about 25, 30 million on deadline day when he's out of contract because they're looking at Gerard saying, you may not be here for too much longer. <laughs> and the next guy you're probably going to be one of his best assets. Mm. Is this something where if they had complete faith in Tuchel and you can look at other managers, I won't do the Arsenal thing again, where he doesn't want him, get rid. And getting a bit convoluted here. There's a big difference between selling a good young player like Broger and one of these old heads that like Arteta wanted rid of. Yeah, But is there is there anything in that, do you think? Or is it just maybe you think you'll get more money in the long run and that was all there was to it? I genuinely believe it's probably down to they were expecting to get a striker of like some sort of decent caliber. And I'm not saying Aubameyang isn't. I'm just saying he's old. Yeah. Where you can't pin your futures on him, so you probably we're probably going to have him for like a year, maybe less, maybe longer. Who knows? Well, but, so then Brojo is maybe you've seen the issue with Tammy Abraham, where you yeah. let him go and yeah. have this and guy feel, in the wings. I think that's probably what's the case is here, especially as Brojo's probably been one of our most promising attackers when he's featured this season. So, yeah, I think that's probably it. I think there's signs that both lead to this was knee-jerk, this was conspired for quite some time because, like I said, just going back to the fact that there's no way, but why? what, what does five games at the start of the season matter? You would have just sacked someone before if you really were that hell-bent on sacking him. Yeah. Um- Aubameyang got a lot of stick yesterday. Did you think he was that bad? I, did, I thought there was the one opportunity where he passed to Sterling where if he's confident, he just smashes it across goal. But other than that, I don't really know what commentators and pundits were expecting from a guy playing with, with a broken, broken jaw. jaw 59 minutes in a new team. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think there's times, I mean, he had one in the net, it was offside, I know that, but 
He was he was occupying the areas of which needed to be occupied, which we don't usually have. It also gives us the option of playing someone up alongside him with Havertz, so that they can bounce off each other. And in, to the start last night, we were really bright. Twenty minutes. I, I thought Sterling looked like he was enjoying playing alongside him. Yeah, exactly. Like we looked up until their kind of smash and grab goal, we looked decent. Um, it looked like things were starting to click into place. And as soon as, like I said to you, as soon as that first goal went in, it was like, right, we've lost because we're not scoring a goal. That's the way it has been for quite a while. And I guess to an extent, you have to blame the manager for that. Um, But to go back to your point, I mean, Aubameyang looks looks decent. I've got uh, the last words uttered by Thomas Tuchel in a Chelsea interview here. Are you worried by the start to the season? No, I'm not it's not enough. It's not enough. It has nothing to do with a worry. It's a reality. Thomas, thank you. Maybe you should have been more worried. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. They asked oh. him about his future in that interview. Um, I won't use it all because I don't really want BT uh, copyrighting me. But he he looked quite downbeat in the interview. I, I wonder if he did know what was coming or maybe he heard some murmurs like we always hear in football. Yeah, I think I, if we're hearing the murmurs, he's, he's hearing them from the inside. So, but were you shocked? It, it, so at five past ten this morning, I mean, were you it, expecting to hear that news? No, no, I wasn't. But it, we were talking like um, some kind of Chelsea fans that I go to the games with. We were talking last night, and it just stank of Rosenberg two thousand and seven, where Jose just got sacked. Of it had the same air to it, like a. Is that the one where he <laughs> dead? Roman, or was that the second time around? I think that was the second time. Yeah, so the first, yeah it's the first time he got sacked in 2007 where we play our first Champions League game against the kind of European minnow um, and we lose unexpectedly. And uh, yeah, it just felt like the same atmosphere of this is a performance that's been kind of, we've been on a collision course for, for almost 12 months. Like since that, Lukaku interview we've been absolutely awful um, and bearing in mind we've had sanctions we've had this yeah. that and the other to kind of deal with but the, the fact of the matter is our football and has been poor since we haven't looked what? like a good team since oh. November last year that's kind so, of the thing though when when that statement says essentially you're clearing house from anything Roman related too cool I thought actually emerged with more credit in most people's eyes like I don't associate him with that's one of Roman's boys but if anything he was kind of put in a situation what did he meet Roman once and that was at the Club World Cup it's not um, like he's one of Roman's minions yeah. and oh we need to get rid I feel like that was a bit out, out of pocket putting that um, out to the press yeah I think so because you're right I mean the first time they actually met face to face was the Champions League final which he must won. have won then okay because we had COVID so and he's banned from the yeah, UK. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's why I thought so, it was the Club World Cup. Yeah, so it's a bit of both. They also met at the Club World Cup. They did meet there as well, but literally they've met pretty much twice face-to-face, I'm assuming. Um, I'm assuming they may have had video conferences, who knows, but I think a lot of it went through Marina Guantascana, um as kind of... Yeah, like that one That one felt like... I know she was um, good at her job. I do always question... Maybe Todd's actually shown us because I did question how hard that job would be when you've got unlimited funds to use, but Todd showed us a bit harder, <laughs> harder than it looks. <laughs> um, I kind of understood with her when she has been so closely aligned with Roman. 
Tuchel feels a bit, if anything, you want a bit more stability in there as you go through a transition. And I think with someone new in, maybe Todd doesn't want to be the new guy anymore. I, I think he might struggle more and appreciate what Tuchel was doing for him. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I think it's one of those grass isn't greener type yeah. situations where it took always, albeit we haven't been losing badly. The, the loss against Leeds aside, where we just yeah. kind of calculated, it's been one nils, it's been two ones. It's been nothing like we've been getting smashed every week and players are coming out, you know, that all oh, of there's uh, players in the dressing room rumbling. There was none yeah. of that. Is- we didn't get any of the leaks, which we got under Frank when which led up to me yeah. being sacked. It was just kind of, we're playing poorly, but nothing was coming out. So he was obviously doing something right if those messages weren't coming out in the press. Do you think for the long run, it would have been better for Chelsea if, and it would have been painful in the moment, if you'd lost heavily in one of those cup finals, call it the League Cup, you don't really want that in the FA Cup final. And would there have been more of a reason to let him go at the end of the season and say then, okay, no, no offence, we want to bring our own guy in and do it then because it just seems if you have that idea in your head already don't wait until six weeks into the season at least give the new manager a chance give him a whole yeah. pre-season it, that's that's one of the reasons why I'm thinking it's knee-jerk because of that exact reason because you've got Graham Potter coming in now he's very tactically aware but that kind of level of tactician will need some sort of bedding in process so you've basically written off the next month of hoping that we just have that new manager bounce. But mm. whilst we get to grips with the tactics, it could quite easily go the opposite way. I mean, like I said, we've had no leaks from the dressing room coming out that these players were unhappy apart from Christian Pulisic and Ziyech, which after yesterday, I'm quite happy to fly him over there myself. <laughs> yeah. um, so you don't know how the players are going to respond to this. No. I know that he was quite liked by most of the playing staff. And having won three trophies in his Premier here last season and the season before you didn't understand why well yeah I ignored that athletic article and didn't want to barrage you with quotes from it because as we said earlier it always feels a bit strange to me when like 20 minutes after a manager's been sacked you had no news before but suddenly you can tell me what Tuka was having for breakfast on the morning and that he was called into Todd's office and I get with there's going to be a certain level of okay I can tell these stories now because there's no way of tracing it back to me but I don't, I don't know. It's it's, it's always a, a, a bit weird. Yeah, it is. Like is. I've been seeing a quote going doing the rounds on Twitter where they've said apparently Tuckle begged on a 10-minute phone conversation for a second chance. And it's like, how would anyone know that? Like, Tuckle's not going to tell anyone that. And Tuckle's not going to say, oh, I begged him for a second chance. And I if, I don't imagine Todd Bowley's going to do that either. No, because the Cause Jose you know, stuff, the second time Jose got sacked, the stories about that only came out years later and incredible that he was smuggled out of there in a car boot, but <laughs> unreal. And yeah, if that doesn't come out immediately and Jose, I would imagine had a lot more enemies than, uh, than Tuchel did. Now, I asked you at the start of the year and you did take it quite badly, if, if I recall. You'd hit a rough yeah. patch of form and I said, had Tuchel taken you as far as he could, and whether your fans would continue to put up with this style of play. How much do you think the style of play was a factor in Todd making this decision? So say say you were cooking teams, say you were playing teams off the park, but the ball wasn't going in the back of the net, or even say you're losing all of these games 4-3. Do you, do you think it's still such a swift move, or do you think 
there it's needs to be a level of excitement. Like if the owner's bored, then he looks like he he's here for fun, which we didn't maybe think was the case. Yeah, I mean, he's it's the playing style, hundred percent. Because if I'm bored watching it to the point where I'm not giving it my full attention, a guy that's just dumped three hundred million on this team is probably watching <laughs> yeah. it with a bit more of a bit more of a <laughs> dog in the fight here. Yeah. Um. So we've consistently since we started the season watched us not be able to create anything like you go to the first game of the season we get a stupid penalty that shouldn't have been given away against Everton we don't score against Leeds we lose 3-0 we just scrape past one of the worst Leicester teams I've ever seen like that was one of our only wins the only game where we actually looked up for it was against Spurs and we got cheated out of it yeah we don't talk about that no, we don't talk about it. But then again, you look at all of these in combination and West Ham again takes Ben Chilwell, one of our most important players, some would say, <laughs> um, <laughs> to come on and change the game for us. And even then we should have conceded a, a, a second goal. So, And then you go, like I said, it culminated and it all came to a head with going away to Dinamo Zagreb and yeah. not even looking close to scoring. So yeah, and... And it's it's boring whilst doing it, like you said. It's if you're creating all these opportunities and they're just not going in, like under Frank when Werner was just missing sitter after sitter, then you can kind of make a case that look, the chances are if you create these chances, some of them are going to go in. Problem for us, we weren't even creating those. No, now just to end this, um, it does look like Graham Potter's going to get the job. But what I think is interesting is there were three real names that were linked today. Graham Potter does appear the first choice. Maurizio Pochettino, we know, was sounded out at least, showed his willingness to take the job, was happy to fly and interviewed or whatever. Um, other sources say that Zinazine Zidane was considered. So three very different styles, and I thought almost like three different styles of Chelsea over the years. It, like, in Zidane, you've got the biggest name, the shortest resume, and weirdly you'd say, and I feel nonsensical saying this, like, Weirdly, you'd say he's the least proven, despite being the first coach to win the Champions League three times in a row, winning the UEFA <laughs> Super Cup, the Club World Cup twice each, as well as a La Liga title and a Super Copa de España. But he just hasn't been in as many different situations that Graham Potter or Pochettino have been in. And I do wonder if that's something that's being taken into consideration or if Zidane would consider the job when we know that he's kind of waiting out to take either the Juve or the PSG one when when he decides to go back into management. Um, mm. But that does feel like maybe a Chelsea of old may go for just the biggest name out there. And particularly, we would maybe associate that rightly or wrongly with brand spanking new American owners. You might say, let's get this flashy guy in. <coughs> I mean, that'd be very on brand because apparently, again, some some of the stuff that's come out is obviously the rift between Bowley and wanting Cristiano Ronaldo. And yeah, yeah. That was interesting, actually. So, yeah, because where he was consistently bouncing the idea of Ronaldo off him and Tuchel was getting frustrated at the fact that he's explained multiple times why he doesn't Do you want respect him. Tuchel more or less for that? More, probably, because... I, I don't think you need Ronaldo at your club. No, that's exactly it. If we're, if we're struggling to create chances, I don't want to see a Ronaldo where you're struggling to create chances for no. him because that is not going to end well. And I just don't... For, the money it would cost and how old he is, I just don't think that would have been the right move. Don't get me wrong, he can finish 
when he's in the box, but we struggle creating those opportunities at the best yeah. times. We've got a 27 year old Sterling that like it was had opportunities for fun at city. He's getting none. So I don't want to see no. Ronaldo in the same position, but yeah, going back to your point, Zidane seems like a very Felipe Scolari appointment. <laughs> yeah. Like where you've just gone and got, well, he's the Brazil manager. Let's go and get him and just hope it works where he'd struggle speaking the language. Cause I don't think he speaks English. He would. Quite like Scolari. You would for it as an opposition. Well, no, my, I think my reason is that unlike a lot of other Chelsea managers, he just didn't really give you a reason to dislike him. Wasn't there long enough? <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. But then, I, but then yeah. I dislike Avram Grant. And I've got no real reason for that. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> like Mister Waternoose. <laughs> looks like a haunted frog. <laughs> <laughs> um, Pochettino has had experiences building a side and managing a super team to mixed levels of success when I messaged you about him earlier I mean you put him in the same bracket as Rafa Benitez and said this guy cannot manage Chelsea it's a Spurs manager he just can't like, he's a nice enough guy and I don't think he's actually ever said anything bad about us in the past like Rafa did but I just don't trust him. Like I just don't trust the way he can't win anything. I know it was Spurs, and they don't win anything all the time anyway. But I, I don't know why. I don't know why my, my body is screaming that Graham Potter's a much safer pair of hands because there's absolutely they both won pretty much nothing apart from in the French league. I, I think Potter would be good for it. you, to be honest. Oh, it's hard for me to look past the Spurs tag. Well, that's weird uh, because. You look at, I mean, United did until Eric Ten Hag was this new uh, shiny guy who, I mean, all these United fans watched Ajax clearly and that's how they made their decision on who they wanted. But up until that point, Pochettino was, you just assumed he was going to United. I remember before Arteta came in, actually it was when Arteta was maybe going to be sacked, we were linked with Poch, maybe it was before he came in. But you had Arsenal fans like, look, this can be brilliant. He can come win stuff with us that he couldn't win at Spurs and that'll be even funnier. Uh, I do think with Chelsea, if he does go in and it looks like it's going a different direction, I think you've got the fact that he's been sacked by another London club and the fact that we got to imagine he was pretty keen for the United job and then they've turned their noses up at him. I think you're getting a Pochettino who's coming in with more of a point to prove than he's ever had. And it would end in disaster, I've no doubt, eventually. (laughs) But I think you'd get some very fun years before that. Yeah, I, it, I don't know how I've been brainwashed into thinking that Graham Potter's a safe pair of hands, by the way. I, I love I, the guy, I, so... I'm struggling to make a case for Pochettino taking this role, even though he's managed a team to the Champions League final. Um, just He might carry one, some Spurs in with him. Yeah, I just don't trust anyone that's touched Spurs. Do you know what I mean? It feels like it's a sickness. Well, when you see the pictures because- of... Um, like away ground toilets and people have stuck like the badge of their team in there. If Potch in his little chest of drawers at, 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 at Cobham and he's got a little Spurs badge in there rubbing his hands together. Yeah. So it does look like Graham Potter is going to be the guy and he is a guy that demands patience. He has had some lows at Brighton, never too low, but only a year ago, I think it was right at the start of last season. Do you remember he had that rant after they lost a game and it was when they were still doing the interviews out on the pitch and he said I think Brighton need to remember where they've come from or something along those lines and he pointed to the fact that like effectively you're luckier to have me than I am to have you 
And he didn't say it in a disrespectful way, but he just said it almost like he could not believe there was people booing him. And it was a minority, but he's able to, that same season, they finish higher than they've ever finished before in the Premier League. Is there a, is yeah. there a question for you is he's not going to be, he's never been expected before to deliver the overnight success in the manner that he will be at Chelsea, but he will almost certainly provide a level of stability that you probably haven't had in quite some time. Tuchel was doing his best and then Roman, uh, Roman, his chickens came out to roost, we'll say. Roman, Roman. Yeah. But this is going to sound disrespectful and I apologise in advance. <laughs> Perhaps in a similar way to Eddie Howe at Newcastle, in that there are probably flashier appointments out there, but you look at someone who effectively isn't the guy that's going to get you there, but he gets you just close enough that the guy that's going to get you there now comes in and has the best chance to do what he's going to do. And I wonder how you see Graham Potter is if you see Graham Potter as a guy that's going to come in and he's going to take you to another Champions League or if he's a guy that's going to get you there ready for Zidane to go, you know what, this is a good enough squad for me to come into. It's almost like an unknown quantity because it'll be his first big job, really, like of this stature. So you don't know. I genuinely think they've gone out there and looked and thought, which manager creates the most opportunities? Let's go and get him because we've got the talent to be able to put Mm. them away. Because there's no doubt that Brighton create some glorious chances. Like last season, the chances they missed, he'd always look out for them on match of the day because he'd manage them into a position where they'd be one-on-ones like four times a game and they'd miss them all. So if he had better players, you would probably wager that he would have a much better return. Um, so I genuinely think they've just gone out and thought, right, chances created by manager. Oh, it's him. Let's go and have a look at him. That's very disrespect- disrespectful of how he's no, I get you. right and playing. It's a tough gig going but from it, Mopé to Havertz, though. It's like, for, next club's got yeah. me a clinical st- Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I do think you put Havertz in a situation with space in the box, he puts the ball away. He's shown that he can do it previously. Um, <clears throat> the only problem is, is that under Tuchel's system, it just suffocated all the space out at the top end of the pitch, which Havertz is no good in. He needs space to work. Well, you, f- you found yourself obsessing over chances that for other teams, and I felt the same with us last season, and so I can sympathise, but you look at Man City and, and, and the same chance they wouldn't think twice about because they're going to create five more later. But when you're creating such a small amount of chances every single miss, you can look at a striker after and Eddie would play like 10 minutes a game and we come out of games going, if Eddie had tucked away that chance and he shouldn't be needed <laughs> to tuck away that chance. And so yeah. you've just got to hope the more chances you create, the more you, more you can put in the back of the net and that's usually how it works. Yeah, and that, that's exactly it. I think, like I said, if we'd gone on to chances created of the last 10 games that took us managed, I think it would make for quite dire reading. I remember thinking at the end of last season at the last game of the season against Watford against the team that was relegated and we finally scored and conceded one minute after yeah. um, and then just got in from a Ross Barkley deflected <laughs> fluke and that's how we ended the season I was like you know what pretty much sums up this season um, and this season started out the same way whereas Graham Potter you'd probably again I'm struggling to really put much substance behind why I'm putting Graham Potter above both Zidane and Pochettino, but no. I just genuinely think that he would create the most chances. If I, 
had to choose one now to not join Chelsea, it would be Graham Potter, just because I think every club he's been at, he's improved. And you can go back here and you can hear me complain when, I mean, I'm repeating myself because I've told this so many times, Europa League, us playing Ostersons, I travelled there on my own. We, <laughs> I think we were 3-0 up from the first leg and we lost 2-0 on the night. It was minus it was minus temperatures. I got back at about half four, five o'clock in the morning, was up for work at half six the next day, just after watching us get battered. Weather forecast lied to me, said it was going to be a bit warmer than it was. So I had a thin jacket on, no gloves, just a vile, vile, vile night. But all I took away from it was how has this guy got these players playing? Because they didn't sit behind the ball and beat us on the break. They were out playing us for 90 minutes. And then See what was it, Swansea then, and then Brighton. And the football he plays at Brighton, if I see Brighton on TV, I'm going to want to watch it. And if, I, if I'm if i going to choose a 3pm game, if I see Brighton against anyone that essentially isn't a relegation team, I'm probably going to pick their game. And mm. it's just time to see what this guy can do with greater resources. You, you look to the job that he's been able to do alongside Dan Ashworth at Brighton, who's now gone to Newcastle, and you question and just look now to see if he can expand when he's been supplied with a bigger budget and maybe someone like Michael Edwards alongside him. And it can go two ways. We know Michael Edwards has been interviewed for the role already, turned it down, but look, give it a couple of months, maybe he'll take it back. And he's got a system where he plays five at the back. Who was it they had? They had Shane Duffy and he was on loan in the SPL. And he came back yeah. because essentially they didn't want to keep him. They didn't want to keep him on. He then goes in. He steps into the shoes that um, Ben White has left behind, and their defensive record isn't dramatically different. This is a guy that can improve the players that he has. You look at the way they've been able to replace Cucurella already with a Stupanan. You look at the way they've been able to prepare for when Basuma leaves them behind with Caicedo and Moepu. He looks like a guy who has an eye for talent and you just hope that that bigger budget sometimes, as you saw with um, your favourite man, Rafa Benitez, TK always comes in there, doesn't he, and says, the worst thing you could do was give Rafa more money. He was better when he was looking for these bargains. <laughs> and maybe if you can just get these two people in charge, sometimes you hear about these billionaires and they go, you know, I struggled as a kid. I had to learn how to stretch my money and I don't think uh, he's going to be penny pinching at Chelsea, but maybe if there's a bit more thought into it, then oh well, if that striker doesn't work, we'll just get another one. Maybe you'll start to see some improvements, and maybe you can kind of build a squad rather than feeling like you need to replace. Well, I shouldn't need to scroll down your arrivals each summer. No, exactly. I think you're right. I think that's probably I've kind of pinpointed why I I stand Potter above the other two, mainly because as it's his first job, I imagine he's going to be a lot more heart in the game. Um, he's going to want to do well. He's going to want to develop and prove a point. Whereas I sometimes feel that Zidane, just, he could lose interest at any moment and just be like, right, fuck this, I'm off. I'll take the, uh, take the severance pay and then Pochettino because he's Pochettino. So, and you're right, we've got so many young players in our team. They've come through Cobham, not as many as we used to, annoyingly because we sold them all. <laughs> Um, the players like Mount, Pulisic, uh, Loftus-Cheek and uh, Rhys James, Ben Chirwell as well, I feel that they can get better, yep. even better than well, they Reece are. Rhys James particularly has shown that 
He can play multiple positions. And I think if you give this guy specialised coaching and you look at the work, and I know he's been out of the team lately, maybe you look at the improvements and what he was able to do with Terry uh, Lamptey when he came to Brighton. Yeah. And if he can just do that with a couple of your players, I think you're going to notice something very quickly. Something to maybe note is he's been the authoritative figure at every club that he's been at because I think the success that he's had, I think they haven't had a standout superstar player. He does need to be able to impose himself in there. He doesn't need the owner imposing himself on top of him. And you can't also get 10, 11 new players every window because you need to build that level of trust. I thought it was interesting reading that, I don't know if you saw this, Todd Bowley took Azpilicueta out for a meal just before the start of the season. Have you read this story? A nice meal, good food. No, he basically asked him, what's the crack when he's Chelsea strikers? Why why are they not working? (laughs) Oh yeah. And Azpilicueta just basically said, well, I don't know. (laughs) I don't don't know either. (laughs) And if he can get a close bond immediately with Azpilicueta to kind of get him uh, just that level of respect in the dressing room from the jump, I think you'll need to focus on getting the right characters in and we'll have another word about Aubameyang in a moment. But I think you basically, Todd's going to have to take a step back and we don't know yet if that's what he wants to do. Because mm. this summer... It looked like he was constantly I mean, going, well, if I have to do it, I'll do it. And then I think he was loving it, really. Yeah, if anything, I think that they're going to want a manager to kind of bounce off a bit more because that's what kind of broke down the communications allegedly with, with Tuchel. And if you have that authoritative figure who knows what he wants and he's got that keen eye that we've spoken about, Potter could be his guy. Yeah. He could be his guy. He could be his Bill Billiger. I think Tuchel can... He could probably be. Um, he could probably disassociate from you very quickly. I imagine if he was having this back and forth about Ronaldo or whatever, I imagine he can put up quite the cold shoulder, and he probably doesn't even know yeah. he's doing it to the point that he is. So there's there's an article that's come out that <clears throat> there was a WhatsApp group chat. I don't know if you. I love these stories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a WhatsApp group chat that Todd Bowley set up to try and make it a bit more cohesive, and they used this WhatsApp chat to mainly bounce ideas for transfers off Thomas Tuchel and then when he kept speaking about Ronaldo Thomas Tuchel just stopped replying <laughs> well it's, it's 11 <laughs> o'clock on a Saturday he's having a nice glass of wine and he's going look Tom I know I've <laughs> done this already I just wondered if you'd had a second thought about Ronaldo about you sending him CR7 best goals and assist compilations with Fort Minor remember the name in the background on it <laughs> I'm just thinking of like him just constantly sending him Sue gifts <laughs> I bet he said some right shite in that group chat as well. <laughs> There's this new place on Just Eat round by me. I don't know if you've seen it. <laughs> oh God, I'd love to see the insides of my football group chat. Um, <laughs> what gets said. Um... The, the appeal of a Bamiang was that, as you mentioned, he was coming in alongside a manager he knows very well. Any chance that he could be a burden for a new man trying to stamp his authority? It was quite publicised. Well, the all or nothing I thing th- was... Obviously, uh, everyone's seen that now. I don't think Aubameyang is perhaps quite the nuisance that he's been made out to be, or he wouldn't have lasted as long as he did. But maybe if you're a new guy, he's probably a supply teacher. You come in and you see some kid cracking a joke before you even got in the classroom. You're thinking, for fuck's sake. 
<laughs> I'm think I think he's not got that internal network at Chelsea to bear to be the nuisance. Like he can't. I can't see him bringing players down because players won't know him well okay. enough. He does. Like you, you can look see, like he, he kind of gets can, you on board very quickly. I, I imagine he is a very likable guy, and so you yeah. swag, swag, swag for the fortieth time. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, I think it will be a, much easier at Chelsea to cut him loose if that's the case because he hasn't been yeah, captain. Yeah. He hasn't been a few years. He hasn't scored all these important goals. It'd be a case of if he does start acting up. I imagine most of the Chelsea lot will just be like, "What are you doing?" I'd uh, block his brother on Instagram if I was you, because you, you don't need to see that. <laughs> He's just what a brick. It? It, it, like imagine, I was trying to think. Essentially, just what you would picture to be someone riding the coattails of their rich mate. It's basically right. that, and he's just like I remember. I remember he and Aubameyang was an idiot as well, but he would like film Aubameyang on his phone driving his Ferrari, and it's like, why are you why are you filming him this? Why why are you doing this? And then there's just yeah, just a lot. You you shouldn't be as loud as you are at like forty plus years old. No. Um, Last questions I had for you. So in 2007, after being sacked by Chelsea, Spurs made around four attempts to convince Jose Mourinho to join them. But a clause in his contract meant that he couldn't join an English side for at least another season. Spurs were clearly trying to make the jump then to being a more significant team in the league. Is there a club in England now that you think should try to fast track their project by selling themselves to Tuchel? And is there one that you think he would join? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I've got this weird nagging feeling that if he stays out of management for long enough and Eddie Howe hits a, a tough run, he First can go to... team I down to question. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's a team that I can see, like a match made in heaven, unlimited budget, new new ownership, kind of building a team from the ground up, I imagine that would be a, a, appealing. And it has its, a definite bit larger appeal than when Howe took it over where... You could think, well, this could go tits up. When actually now it looks like it could only go one way, which is which is up. So yeah, I would imagine Newcastle would be on See, that, that stress form. going from working to the Russians to working for the Saudis. It is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can look at it both ways and see he's got the great experience of dealing with uh, with those kinds of people. So yeah, there's also the thing that Newcastle are a lot more settled now. They do have Dan Ashworth in place, and if if the, he he doesn't enjoy doing the transfer side and it is rare now to see a coach that just wants to be a coach. It's usually the other way around. They're trying to force their way into being mm. a manager. Um, I, I don't doubt he'll have a shortage of opportunities. The other teams in the league that have been trying to fast track themselves are Aston Villa and Leicester. It is, is there any way in which you can picture him at either of those two clubs or would he be better off waiting no. out? I think waiting out. I think Villa could be a good one because they've got some decent players. And they're trying to elevate themselves. And they've got great stadium, great fan base. Leicester just looks like a complete shit show at the moment. It just looks, from the outside looking in, as a complete mess. You've got half the team that's either left or doesn't want to be there. You've got the talisman in Jamie Vardy who's coming towards the end of his career and not hasn't hit the ground running this season at all. Looked pretty poor against us. So I, I just don't. It seems like a bit of a poison well, challenge. Because you got to think he, he's, done, he's done the Germany thing. Like He's managed Dortmund, Bayern Munich. I can't see him going there anytime soon. He's done PSG. 
Spain, Xavi, um, and Carlo like a, are pretty set in place, aren't they? And if you don't like his style of football, they sacked Capello for playing shit football at Madrid. Like, be, there's no real other big teams unless he stays in England to go to. They wanted, yeah, they wanted to go get rid of Ancelotti last season yeah. before on the Champions League because they didn't feel they were playing good football. So I don't think they'd uh, suffer under Tuchel much. Um, yeah, I think you're probably right. <clears throat> it could be like an eventuality, a bit like uh, Unai Emery, where he goes to say like a Seville or something does really well with them and then raises his stature and then a big club wants him again. I mean, he's coming off the back of last season, the last season of winning the Champions League, Club World Cup and Super Cup. So I don't think he stops that. No, low. I agree. I just, uh, there aren't a lot of openings for him. I'm just glad that fucking United have got Ten Hag because that would have been a quite an easy And then fit, even now I'm, when a job, a big job does open up, you've got Zidane and Pochettino who are also waiting for the same position. Yeah. Valencia still feels like a cool job. Gattuso's yeah. there at the moment, though. I'm not sure you want to go and bully him out of the job. No. It'd be interesting. If you had to put your money down and say he's more likely to go to Spain or stay in England, which would you think? I mean, I could see him managing in Italy with his formation and the way he likes to play. That's a nice That's a nice show. I yeah, love- I, didn't, I don't know. I didn't even mention Italy. I think he could, I could see him as Juve boss if things go tits up. Allegri um, to, I feel like once you finish with Allegri, you're probably more likely to say, I need something like Poch than to say Tuchel. You, you say that, but they thought that last time when they went from Allegri to Sarri and then hated Sarri so much they got Allegri back in. Yeah. So, I mean, you I mean, you could just double down on it. I think he would suit Italian football really well with the style that he likes to play. Yeah, I like what your thinking there. I'd love for him to go to Milan, into Milan, that is, and oust the cat <laughs> <laughs> Just come back to haunt him. That would be that would be poetic, in fact, where he comes in and just freezes Lukaku out. Look, maybe Chelsea tried to recall Lukaku. Actually, there was a fee for the loan, wasn't there? So they can't recall him. Um, I was, no. Because that's definitely going to be mentioned by someone in January. But there we go. I think that does us for a uh, nice little Wednesday night podcast. If anyone is board we do have another podcast that'll be out on the feeds late tomorrow and that's movie madness seven psychopaths versus free fire and if you're bored over the weekend as i said if you search at jack j harper you don't need to be doing that uh, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna be putting my twitter on private <laughs> i'll keep everyone sorted so thank you for listening we'll be back goodbye